Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hockey fans, are you ready to brave the wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on all your favorite podcasting apps like Apple, Google, and blah blah blah. Thank you once and always for downloading and listening to the show. It is a great pleasure to be back on board once again today. I am your host, Joey Awajan, or Paladino Joey. So, it is time to preview the National Hockey League season and, of course, your Minnesota Wild. We are back once again, and it is a wonderful feeling to have hockey back. I don't know. It feels like every year it's getting a little bit later. It's kind of like, okay, October 4th, right? They start on October 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th. No, they start on the 13th. So it's like, you know what? I'm doing the freaking preview, okay? I'm doing the preview. Can't wait anymore. (laughs) I got to get going. Too excited and all that. And, of course, we're at the point with the lineups that we have a pretty good idea who's going to be in the lineups. And, of course, we'll talk about the two or three other guys that are bubble when it comes to the lineup. Me and <laughs> me and Derek had a brief conversation before I started recording. Like, should I just go for it? Because I was planning on it, and it's like, wait a minute. No, the season doesn't start till you know, the 13th of October. But, well, here we are on the 1st of October, recording segment number one. I did already record segment number two. It was a preview segment of the National Hockey League. And there's no reason for me to change my predictions with that one. So, yeah, I'm not changing that, obviously. Uh, So here I am to actually talk about the team itself, the Minnesota Wild. And you may notice changes in the audio from one segment to another because I kind of like to move my laptop around at times, face it different directions because one's looking out the window, the other one's watching the TV, maybe some hockey going on. So (laughs) in this case, I'd want to look outside in this segment. So I'm just a weird guy. Uh, Let's get to where we need to be. Apologize for my rambling about this and that. Of course, again, it's been a fun, promising little preseason as the month of September just came to a close. Minnesota Wild 3-0 at this point that I'm recording this, of course, beating Colorado twice in the Dallas Stars. Once uh, Matt Boldy looks looks good in the brief time he's been out there. Marco Rossi looks like he's absolutely making the team. There's like no question about it. Uh, 
several points. Obviously, Matt Boldy. The two guys that have stood out the most are Matt Boldy and Tyson Jost. It's not Jost, it's Jost, it's Jost, it's Jost. But uh, he's uh, obviously having a very promising start to the preseason at the very least. And the line combinations, at least according to the the daily face-off, they kind of tend to fluctuate. Of course, the main top line is what it is. Why change it right now? Ryan Hartman, Kirill Kaprizov, and Matt Zuccarillo. And all the indications are Ryan Hartman is looking to continue where he left off. Doesn't feel like, uh, he just had that little jump up year and he's going to be back to the Ryan Hartman uh, scoring like, I don't know, like 30 points or no, 30 points a season or something. And, you know, he's a cute little third or fourth liner. No, I mean, maybe. Maybe he is like a Dave Gagne. That beautiful success story that Dave Gagne was years ago and made us uh, all feel like a million bucks, at least us as North Star fans at the time. And it looks like Yahoo is down. That's great timing. Thanks, guys. Thanks, you, thanks, thanks everyone at Yahoo for being down. Unless it's my internet. Okay, now it's back. <laughs> I had everything ready. And then the doggone thing just kind of like says, nah, no, Joey, you, you can't look at that. Just stay away. Can't, can't touch this, right? Remember that song? Okay, here it is. You have the 3-2 victory over Colorado. I know it's a preseason game, but Kirill Kaprizov picked up where he left off. Ryan Hartman picked up where he left off. Marco Rossi looks like the Marco Rossi in the AHL in terms of production. Um, he's not going to the AHL. No, there's like no chance. He looks absolutely great. And his, his attitude coming into the season was, I, I want family and all them to just kind of like stay away for now. I don't want any distractions whatsoever. It's time. Let's go. Like, they can maybe come by November, December-ish, Christmas season, whatever the heck. Uh, you know, and Marco Rossi, again, gritty, solid, obviously playmaking, uh, this and that. And again, Kaprizov, multi-points in his first game, but unfortunately was hit with a puck. But looks like he'll be fine. It's just precautionary. Let's not mess around. This is a guy that scored 108 points. Uh, the last guy to score 108 points for the Wild was uh, nobody. Not even close. So uh, nobody even came close to 90 in the past. What was it, 84 by Marion Gabrick, Eric Stahl, guys like that. So woohoo. Eric Stahl had that crazy renaissance jump-up season when he came to Minnesota, and it was nice and all that. Beat Colorado again, 5-2. to two. And again, I'll get back to the lines again shortly. Brandon DeHaime was able to score first off. He's been sent down. Nick Patan is a guy still hanging around at the moment. And I'll talk about the transactions as well. Tyson Jones with a couple of goals in this game. Pretty freaking cool. Uh, Matt Boldy, again, the it's a nice group, and Sam Steele, Boldy, and Jost were all playing together on the power play, and they connected both times. Um, they're playing Sam Steele on the power play. All right, and again, it's a preseason game, so don't get too excited. Nick Patan also, again, scoring once. Nick Patan, first off, like I said, and Brendan DeHaime very early. Schuster is an exciting uh, player, well, in terms of his size and he, looked, he was productive with Tampa for a bit, and the next thing you know, he's kind of floating around. So we'll see what happens. But he's a beast of a man, and very, very possibly will be the seventh defenseman in Minnesota going forward. Kind of kind of the opposite of Brad Hunt, right? Remember what Brad Hunt was? The little short guy who could have a, who could score a little bit? The small short guy with a nice smile on his face? Not that Suster isn't a nice guy, but uh, he's like 6'7". Slightly, slightly, slightly different in size. Maybe about a foot taller, just a little bit, you know, a little under a foot taller, so kind of cool. Um, you got to see all three goalies and all that just, uh, in, in the preseason, including, uh, you know, Jesper Volstead. As now I'm going to try to say that correctly from here on out. I'm not going to go to Jasper Volstead, uh, or J Jesper Volstead. It's Jesper, Jesper Volstead. 
That's the name, of course, going forward. He is, it's come from the the horse, you know. <laughs> so there it is. There's no question um, going forward with that. I'm not going to go on and on about preseason games, but at the same time, it's encouraging. These are nice indicators uh, that certain players are stepping on playing well. Sam Steele looks pretty good, actually. He's going to very, very, very likely be on the roster, of course. It'd be stunning if he was sent down for whatever reason. But, you know, obviously he came from the Anaheim Ducks in the offseason. I didn't even talk about him, actually, since the last episode because obviously the last episode was, what, two and a half months ago back in the middle of July. So I'll get back to the transactions. Apologize if I'm coming in a little crazy. But I'm just excited to talk about hockey games again and to talk about guys like Marco Rossi, Kylian Addison, Tyson Jost, who looks like he's taking that next step. I, I hope <laughs> I, I hope he is and looks like there's a real shot of that. Um, I still remember... Was it a week ago? Who was talking? I, I think it was on... I can't remember if it was the uh, Judd's Hockey Show. I think it was. It was Judd's Hockey Show. They were talking about so who goes in to replace uh, Greenway coming into the season, of course, as he's going to miss time to start off the season. I'm. It just came out immediately. Dyson Jost. That's what came out of my mouth. Like, I, you know, because I... You know, I'm out cutting grass, listening to the podcast... And it just came out of my mouth right away, Tyson Jost. And, well, and it's like, yeah, that to me is the obvious choice. Let's let's see what he can do. And right now he is on the grief line. It is the, well, it's not a grief line. I don't know what you'd call it now. Um, the Fed line? Felino, Erickson, and Tyson? I don't know. Or, yeah, it'd be something like that. <laughs> I guess, yeah, the <laughs> or freak line? I don't know. how. I, nope, that, that wouldn't work. So let's just call it the Fed line. No, let's just call it whatever it is. The a really nice third potential second line. That could be something. Uh, Marco Rossi has been centering Frederick Goudreau, who has been moved to right wing, and Matt Boldy on the left wing, and it's been a beautiful, beautiful thing. Tyson Jost has actually played together as well with them at times, and it's been awesome. Sam Steele will center the fourth line with Connor DeWer and Brandon DeHame. These probably are the lineups going into the season, by the way. Uh, I already talked about Kirill uh, at left, obviously, Ryan Hartman, and then Matthew Carrillo at right wing. Defensive pairings, they've changed. Of course, and in, right now, on the daily faceoff, it looks like last year, Brodine and Dumba, Middleton and Spurgeon, Goligoski, and Kalen Addison. Kalen Addison is the one now because, obviously, the Minnesota Wild moved on from Kulikov. Kulikov. So, again, there I go jumping ahead. Instead of talking about transactions, I'm talking about the roster. So I apologize for that right out of the gate here. Just getting too excited. So got to get caught up with the transactions here before we actually start getting into the actual preseason and such. To going into September, <laughs> right away, guys invited to training uh, training camp. Ty, Ty Ronning is the son of Cliff, Cliff Ronning, Turner Ottenberg, Thomas Millich, Millich Benjamin Finkelstein. That's kind of Finkelstein, C.J. Mott. Mike O'Leary, Mike O'Leary, which is actually a, he used to be the pastor in my Sunday school many years ago. <laughs> it's the same exact name anyway. Is there any relation? I have no idea. Tanner Kaspik, and of course, Demili Kulikov was traded for future considerations to Anaheim. Sam Steele was signed as a free agent for one year. We'll look at the salary here in a second. Sammy Walker signed as a free agent, two-year entry-level contract. Uh, Alexander Holoha, uh, Ho Hovanov, there we go, was released uh, as of the last show. 
which just it's really sad. The it's over for him right now. It looks like he's heading to Vancouver. Nope, he's still with the Wild. I'm getting him mixed up with uh, Johansson. So we'll see what happens with uh, Alexander Hovanov. Extremely sad and disappointing there. Again, since the last episode, Liam Ogren, Ugrin, I guess, signed a three-level entry-level contract. That didn't take long. That was basically the day of the last episode, July 16th. Mitchell Sheffield signed a one-year, two-way contract. Nick Sweeney, one-year, two-way contract. Again, Hukulikov has been moved out. That's where you can make room for Addison. So, finally, Addison can be with the Minnesota Wild, more than likely, and he's earning it. He's not just, okay, yeah, okay, oh, okay, Addison, we made room for you. Welcome aboard. No, he's actually performing as well. He looks like a different player, and that's really awesome. Um, since then, Caden Bankier assigned to his junior club, Kamloops. Kyle Masters also assigned to Kamloops, WHL. Hunter Haight, who looked pretty damn good in the summer and in these games also. Moving to the moving back to Barry of the OHL. Servek Petrovsky off to the OHL. You know, back to where uh, the Owen sound. David Spasik to my uh, to my league, the Q the QMA the QMJHL. Yeah, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. David Spasik heading there. Thomas Milich released. Tanner Kaspik released, Michael Leary released, Ty Ronnie released. Mm, that sucks, because I know um, Army was very excited about him, but maybe he's still going to wind up with uh, Iowa. We'll see. Benjamin Fickelstein released, Hunter Uddenbright released, CJ Mod released, Sam Henches sent to minors, Michael Milne sent to the minors. He's, of course, Iowa. Hunter Jones, biggest shock ever, right? Sent to Iowa. <laughs> I know, I'm mean, I know. I like Hunter Jones, though. I'm, I don't mean to be harsh on him. Vladislav, first off, sent to Iowa. And Damien Giroux sent to Iowa. So again, a couple more moves still yet to be made. Before things change, of course, uh, Zane McIntyre and Jesper Volstead are still actually on the Minnesota Wild at the moment. But they're going to be the two main goalies for Iowa. That's why when they talk about uh, Hunter Jones, I think he might wind up in the... Yeah, in, in the other one. So the ECHL, pardon me. John Merrill, uh, obviously out... Mr., uh, which again, I think that you can pencil in Schuster, Schuster as the number seven. So he's going to be the number seven defense, and he's not going to get sent to Iowa. So I'm pretty confident about that. Um, sometimes you keep an extra forward. Because Greenway's out. Guys like Greenway, yeah, Greenway's out, so it might be Nick Baton, might be Mason Shaw sticking around, possibly as that, you know, that 13th forward, how things go. Of course, your goaltenders will be Mark andre Fleury and Philip. Gustafson. We talked about Gustafson on the last episode. He's the main backup. And obviously if uh, Jesper Volstead winds up with Minnesota, something catastrophic happened to one of the main goalies. Uh, same with Zane McIntyre. Obviously he's a guy that could fill in though, like if it's a short-term injury for somebody. I think he's the guy that comes up to Minnesota and probably doesn't play, but you never know. One of those kind of things. He's a nice veteran, 30-year-old, but unfortunately didn't have a whole lot of success in the National Hockey League to date. So that's the situation there. Still got a bunch of, man, a lot of guys have like that cross next to their name. My goodness, man, how many injuries can there be? Jeez. Nick Paton. We'll, we'll see what happens with him. He was a second-round pick in 2013, but only 13 points is his career high with the Winnipeg Jets in 16-17. Other than that, it's kind of been an off-and-on battle with 
the AHL, NHL, quad quad A player, you know, that kind of thing. So we'll see. He's not that old. He was born in 95. Never know. But that's what he'd be, probably more of a <clears throat> fourth or uh, fifth line guy, if you know what I mean. Mason Shaw, we'll see. It, it just it just might not be a match with him making the, the NHL, despite the fact he's got a lot of grit and he's actually super talented. But maybe that could make him an insanely talented fifth, uh, fourth line player. So we'll see. And I'm sure he'd love the paycheck, even though the lack of ice time would be frustrating if you're stuck in the uh, press box. So <laughs> that's how that goes, unfortunately. Other than that, again, like I named the lines, I named the... I didn't actually officially get to the pairings because they have changed. They have, again, like that says, Brodeen, Dumba, Middleton, Spurgeon, Goligoski, Addison. I think Goligoski, Addison is what it is for now. We'll see. Otherwise, Spurgeon has been paired with Jonas Burdine to have like an elite top top pairing. And then you have Dumba and Middleton together, which is kind of cool. Maybe, and some people have even gone as far as to uh, think about the idea of Addison and Middleton together, where you get the Mutt and Jeff, you know, the Mutt and Jeff deal, where obviously massive, massive defenseman with the much shorter skilled guy, which has happened many times in the past as well. So could be pretty cool. Again, Jacob Middleton did sign that three-year contract. We did talk about that on the last episode. Kaelin Edison will be on the Minnesota Wild. Marco Rossi will be on the Minnesota Wild. Matt Boldy, if there was any doubt. Of course, he's going to be here. He was on the pace of a 70-point season last year. And, yeah, I mean, he was freaking awesome. And that that's a freaking rookie, too. Like, a, a guy who just got to the National Hockey League is on pace for a 70-point season. That's how good he was, and he stayed good the whole season. And if he's paired with uh, Rossi, I think there's something there. They certainly work together very well in Iowa. As I try not to cough to death, I deeply apologize. Thank God for the dump button there. Ooh, so <laughs> apologize about that. Unfortunately, sometimes when me and Derek are recording, it's harder to cover up the cough, which sucks. But other than that, it's an awesome show with a lot of information coming from Derek. The guy is uh, obviously one of the best, if not the best, the best guest I've had on this show. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. So, <laughs> um... There's nothing really on this roster that tells me they can't make the postseason other than, you know, goaltending might be mediocre for Marc-Andre Fleury. Maybe he has one more renaissance in him coming up. Obviously, it's Marc-Andre Fleury. He's had a wonderful career. He's been spectacular. This is saying COVID protocol, I, I guess. Okay, I mean, that's, I don't know. <laughs> that's interesting. They're saying Gustafson, same thing. Wonderful. Okay, COVID this, COVID that. Zane McIntyre, COVID. No, I'm kidding. Let's not joke about that. I apologize. That, that just reeks of Omicron where it spreads real easy. It's not as, not nearly as severe. It's basically a cold with a little extra mustard in it, I guess. I don't know. And it spreads real easy like colds do. So viruses work. They get weaker, but more contagious. Yeah. Anyhow, not uh, that's the end of the that's the end of my medical uh, <laughs> information on this podcast. But it's got the makings of a decent hockey team, I think. Absolutely. Um, damn good job, obviously, working with the salary cap, this and that. You have, fortunately, you have a Minnesota Wild club that has a prospect pool that's been built up to a point that you can do this. Uh, guys like Marco Rossi aren't making six, seven, eight, nine million a year yet. 
We'll see. Marco Rossi might end up making an absolute fortune in his career, but he's not there yet. Of course, Tyson Jost, unfortunately, goes into restricted free agent after the season, you know, that with arbitration eligible and all that crap. Uh, Matt Boldy is eligible for a <laughs> contract extension. Will it be a bridge contract or will it be a major, major thing? Sam Steele, like I said, was just a one-year deal. Anyway, Connor DeWeer is still under team control next year at 8 800k, so alright. Brandon DeHaim, also. Arbitration eligible. I can't imagine a massive race coming. He's only making 750. I know only, right? But in the NHL circles, even in the NHL, it's still small. Matt Zuccarillo, two years left before he's a UFA. No, before he's you know, unrestricted free agent. Felino, two years left. A 3.1 reasonable deal. Zuccarillo, that 6 million is not looking nearly as ugly as it was about three years ago when he first got here when his wrist uh, injury wasn't fully recovered and needed another surgery to make his wrist function better. And, my goodness, he was a completely different player. Ryan Hartman, still two years left at 1.7. (laughs) I can relate, though. I mean, I I think all of us can relate in terms of, like, you know you're better than what you're making. Yeah, I think so. I think, well, most of us, depending on how much you actually work at your job, but that's between you and, yeah, you and your boss. (laughs) <laughs> Jonas Brodeen, one of the better deals out there. It's not cheap. Six million's a lot, but huge term and all that. I mean, the term is the term. You think, my goodness, that's like eternity, but it's Jonas Brodeen. Obviously, he's one of the best defensemen, I think, out there. 29 years of age. Of course, Matt Dumba goes into unrestricted free agency. As we head into the offseason, there's a pretty good chance he gets traded around the trade deadline, <clears throat> regardless of who loves him and who doesn't. I think there's a pretty good chance he gets traded because, um, but then again, it just depends on how much they love each other, that kind of nonsense. Jacob Middleton, this could potentially be a really nice deal. Three years, 2.45 for the next three years. Yep, up to 2025, the summer of 25. Kalakasi, two more freaking years at 2 million, but at least it ain't five. <clears throat> Pardon me. John Merrill, 1.2. Very cheap, but term that could go to a young guy and a roster spot that could go to a young guy. Wouldn't be surprised if this is John Merrill's last season in Minnesota whatsoever. If you can get rid of Kulikov, whose salary was about twice as much, <clears throat> you can get rid of John Merrill too. It's not that expensive. He's a nice veteran. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to destroy you or anything or ruin your team. And maybe he ends up being the seventh guy. And then, you know, youngster de jour ends up taking over, that kind of thing. You know, got all the young guys like, pardon me now, this is all. Guys like Car- uh, like Carson Lambos, Jack Pert. I mean, guys like that are going to be coming up. Uh, Ryan O'Rourke is probably really close. He's he's older than Lambos and Pert. Damon Hunt. Those two guys, I think, are very close to being in the National Hockey League. I, I think they suit up for the Minnesota Wild next year, if not at some point this year. At least one of them, for sure. Damon Hunt, Ryan O'Rourke. Uh, they're, they're 2020 draft picks. I still remember the day all those guys were drafted. It was a beautiful, gorgeous October afternoon. It was one of the most pretty days ever. I was out wandering around while watching it, watching it and listening to the commentary afterward. Oh, just, oh, I really enjoyed that. Oh, man. Um, but, yep, you still got, you know, Kyle Masters, he's, he's probably a dark horse at this point, but he did step up pretty nicely in the prospect camp. People were thinking, he's taking some steps forward. Nate Benoit, I have no idea. I have no idea what's going to happen with him. Jack Purton Lambo still are legit. Spashek, we'll see. Ryan Healy has some talent. Only two defensemen taken in this draft because, well, there's like a 
ton of them. There's like almost too many right now. And of course, Bergeen, Spurgeon are signed for a long, long time. Dumba is not, but maybe he will be in the next few months. Just might happen. And so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how things go. <laughs> if he makes a silly statement like uh, Carlos Correa, well, it wasn't as silly. Carlos Correa is in a little better standing than Matt Dumba. <laughs> but oh, if you, if you want something, you have to go get it. You know, like at the store or whatever, like a ex very expensive bike or something. I don't know. Where, like, Carlos, Carlos Correa is going to be real expensive. Yeah, thanks, Carlos. <laughs> so, translation, Carlos Correa will opt out of his three-year contract that was an opt-out after one year. Isn't that cute when they do that? It, it's a three-year deal. It's, it's three years, right? It's three. No, it's not, actually. <clears throat> it's really not. First off, yeah, I don't know. He still feels like a dark horse. Nikita Nestorenko still in college, like we said. Philip Lindbergh, well, like we all, you already knew. Marshall Warren still in college. They're going for um, man, 2019. I can't believe how long ago that was already. Seems like seems like these guys just got in the system. Yep. So they're just going. Nikita Nestorenko is going into his junior year. That's what I thought. Yeah, because he was with the Chiliwack Chiefs at the beginning. He was, but I don't know if he's going to go for senior where Warren, Marshall Warren, will be in his senior year. He's another defenseman that could jump up. He's certainly got skill. Smaller guy with a lot of skill, so maybe he replaces Dumba. I don't know. Dumba's not big, but he's bigger bigger than Marshall Warren. Um, Beckman, they keep saying he's stepped up a bit, but chances are he's going to wind up in Iowa again. So Beckman's still on the Minnesota Wild roster. He's kind of the, he's kind of the almost forgotten guy at the moment because of, you know, the dazzling power, the dazzling ability of Marco Rossi, you're thinking, yeah, he's kind of one of the most exciting players with Minnesota during this uh, preseason. Where Adam Beckman showed signs, but he's not standing out that much. It's not like, whoa, Adam Beckman, holy crap. He's really, he's really ready to play. Where, I don't know, Beckman, hmm, maybe he's going to be like a, a superstar in the AHL and might end up getting to the NHL very soon, but Maybe he's just going to have to dominate the AHL for a year or half a year or something at this stage. Luckily, still super-duper young. Would be a young, would still be a college player, part of me, if uh, he went to college, this and that. But nothing wrong with that. 21 years of age still at this stage. Will turn 22 until May 10th. So that's the good news. He's still got plenty of time to develop. So go get him, Adam Beckham. Maybe he will dominate the AHL because he really didn't last year. He's about a half-a-point guy, like literally half a point. A game. 68 games, 34 points. Pretty simple math, eh? <laughs> and again, had that nice little assist from behind the net very early last season when he was on the Minnesota Wild roster, but most of us knew there was a pretty good chance he'd be back in Iowa within a few, you know, like like within a week or so. And that's exactly what took place. So, it's all kind of a wait and see with a lot of these guys. <clears throat> really looking forward to what they can do. Danila Yurov, Ugrin, Ogren, <laughs> Hunter, hate people are just, people are dazzled with his ability, so I can't wait to see what he can do, at least getting to Iowa and such. Coming up next season, I believe, he'll be Iowa eligible, or maybe not. Doesn't turn 19 until April 4th. Dang. Dang, Hunter. Maybe he'll make the NHL outright next year. Ne never know. But dang, he's young. <laughs> Holy crud. He didn't turn 18 until April 4th. And he had 41 points in the OHL as a 17-year-old. That, I mean, I, I, I kept talking about that back in the spring when, when I did the draft, or summer, or the summer through the draft review. And it's just, you just can't believe it. So, you just can't believe what uh, 
how much he can do at such a young age, and people are very intrigued. Let's not forget, he's the 47th overall pick in the draft. It's not like he was taken in the sixth round here. So, I, I kept thinking, Hunter Haight, yeah, he's probably fourth, fifth round pick. Maybe he'll be that nice guy who jumps up. No, that's more like Ryan Healy, fourth round pick. We'll see. You know, he's got some, uh, certainly got some ability and did surprise some people. So, could be an awesome draft yet again with Judd Brackett and, of course, Bill Guerin heading the uh, the franchise player personnel and all that. Um, it's a promising season. Promising, but not overly promising. I'm not predicting any Stanley Cup run or anything. I think this team could get to the second round, but we all know how we feel about that. I think there's a lot of hungry players on this roster that's sick and tired of the first round, first round exits, this and that. They could make it to the second round, partially because the youth. Sometimes sometimes a youth movement on a team could push you forward. I mean, look at the 1981 North Stars, not 91. That team also had a lot of youth, but it had a lot of wily veterans as well that went on playoff runs in the past. Guys like Brian Propp and such that lost the Stanley Cup twice with, with uh, Philadelphia and lost the Stanley Cup with the North Stars and never hoisted the cup. Oh, Brian. Mm. Every time I think about guys like that, that played their heart out and went to the finals more than once and never brought it home. God. Ugh. I, I, I feel bad for him. A lot of great Philadelphia Flyer players that were on teams that lost the Stanley Cup final. Ugh. I mean, they, they, they won two Stanley Cups of that Broad Street Bullies team in the mid-70s, and then they went to the final, like, I don't know, like eight times since, and they lost them all. Ugh. It's just kind of sad, you know? So, but to get to the point, as I babble off into La La Land as much as I do, the, Ed, the 81 North Star team was filled with youth. Filled. You know, Cicerelli. Neil Broughton. Bobby Smith was actually young at one point. Yes, he was actually a young guy once. Yeah, I'm just uh, The goalie was 18 years of age, wasn't he? He was super young. Yeah, I mean, he had a goalie that was, that was like not even 20 years old yet. And they went all the way to the cup final because the youth was so talented and they were so hungry, and it, it was a beautiful thing. They went so far, but then uh, obviously ran into a buzzsaw called the New York Islanders, who were on their way to winning the second of four straight Stanley Cups. So that's kind of how that went. They beat a Calgary team that was gritty and tough with uh, Willie Plett, but ultimately did not win the uh, uh, did not win the cup. The North Stars did not win the cup. Uh, Calgary Flames that was their first. Uh, Campbell Conference final, and they got beat by the North Stars of all teams. Kind of cool to think the North Stars actually beat Calgary in a playoff series, just two years since moving to Canada <clears throat> from becoming the Atlanta Flames years before, about 10 years earlier in that case, the early 70s. Uh, cool franchise, cool logo and all that. Um, but maybe this youth movement with the point now is that trying to make it somehow, some way. Matt Boldy, Marco Rossi, Kirill Kaprizov still counts as a youth movement because it's only his third year. Tyson Jost, uh, Kalen Addison. There isn't that much youth, but it's it's more than <laughs> it's more than the last couple of years. And you might see some more youth on this team going forward. Hungry guys like Sam Steele that might want to prove something. Um, again, like I said, Rossi, guys like that. Uh, other guys like Hartman. You know, he's relatively young. But, you know, Zuccarello's been to a cup final. Kaprizov, all of them, they're so hungry and frustrated. Felino, Erickson Eck, who pl always plays well in the playoffs. One of the few wild players who's been awesome in the postseason. The Dumbas, the Brodines, the Spurgeons, the, how they've lost in the playoffs in the first round. And they're like, you know what? F this. We, we need to push forward. 
get something going. You know, so the hunger of the youth and the hunger of the veterans might be a good combination that this team may overachieve once the postseason comes around. Um, somebody like Kaprizov might dazzle even more so, and it could be contagious, hopefully, to other players on this team. Alex Galagoski, I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be counted on with this club. Not that he's complete crap, and he was he was actually good for half of the season last year, but how quickly he dropped off and how much he dropped off in the second half was, was disappointing, but we'll see. The good news is there's enough youth movement coming forward in the next two years and such that this cap hit won't be as painful as it could have been. That's the good news. It's not like, well, we're going to probably lose Kaprizov because of it, so what the hell? I guess we get to start over. Woohoo! Or we might lose Boldy because we can't sign him for $70 million. You know, that kind of thing. So, I think there's hope going forward to the season. Right now, I'm predicting the Minnesota Wild to finish in third place in the division. So, we will be counted as a division leader somewhere around 100 points, 101 points. <clears throat> Not like last year, where we got to 113, but closer to 100, 103, 100. Four, something like that, but I do believe the Minnesota Wild make the playoffs as a third uh, team, well, third division leader in the Central, Central Division, and ultimately we'll have to wait and see what happens after that, but I think Minnesota Wild can overachieve, and when the Minnesota Wild are the road team, sometimes they pull off something. <laughs> Whenever we're favored, we find a way to blow it one way or another. We are winless, winless, and I've talked about this 50,000 times already on the podcast, the Minnesota Wild have been winless thus far when it comes to having home ice advantage in the playoff series, which is freaking ridiculous. Um, it just goes on and on. Again, when the Wild won the division versus Colorado, lost in six. I'll try to make it super quick. The Wild at home ice advantage versus uh, the St. Louis Blues, lost in five. <sighs> it's ridiculous. Home ice advantage of the Anaheim Ducks in the West, uh, Western Conference Final, lost in four. Ridiculous. Um... Home ice advantage against St. Louis again. Lost in six. So that's a lot of home ice advantage series that the Minnesota Wild have not won. It's ridiculous. So maybe you, maybe you overcome that. Maybe the Wild do finish in second and have home ice advantage in the first round. But one way or another, I see the Wild somehow overcoming and getting to the second round this year. And possibly as the youth movement gets that extra year in their belt and that getting that extra step forward. Now, next year, maybe the Minnesota Wild can get to the conference final and see what happens. See what happens. Except something spectacular, maybe. Um, so we hope. Maybe that's just wishful thinking, but what the hell? Why Why not? You're, again, Jesper Wallstead will be coming up. That's a big help. Carson Lambos. Jesper Wallstead will be coming up by next year or the year after, and that could be something very special going forward. Um, Carson Lambos might end up being an elite defenseman. You never know. Maybe he'll at least be a decent you know, second-pairing guy, at the very least. Hunter, uh, Damon Hunt, pardon me. We'll see what happens. Other guys like Hunter hate might might shock the world. So that's the hope, again, going forward with this team, with the salary cap situation and the salary cap stress that's going to be hanging around for a few more years, that uh, things will get better and better. Summer of 25 is when the salary cap stress will be mostly gone. There'll be a uh, few more years remaining of 833 Per player, the Parisi shooter deal, 1.6 million. 1. you know, four sixes or six sixes, that's goofy, uh, going forward. All the way up to the summer of 2028, it'll be affected. But at least the 14.7 will be gone. This year is 12.7. 
So it's two million worse next year. That could be. Let's uh, let's trade Alex Goligoski for future considerations. And there you go. There's your two million difference. Well, there you go. There you go. Welcome up, Carson Lambos. Well, it won't be two million difference, but it'll be less. Uh, maybe a trade away John Merrill for future considerations, and that'll help make up the difference. Huh? What do you think of that? Future considerations, right? Let's. I, certain guys, it doesn't kill me if you trade him away for future considerations or a seventh-round pick or something. As long as you free up the cap space, and well, you know, maybe they get a nice little veteran leader in the locker room, and bada-bing, bada-boom. You know, everybody's happy, kind of. <laughs> With that said, unfortunately, Philip Gustafson, also arbitration eligible in the offseason. But, welcome to the NHL, folks. Welcome to the National Hockey League. You're going to be dealing with that every year. And sometimes it's going to be really important players. Possibly Tyson Jost might be that. Possibly Matt Boulding might be that. Sam Steele probably won't be that important, but still something. And Brennan DeHaim, depending on how you feel about him, <laughs> he's had some nice moments, and sometimes, woofda, sometimes the puck's going the other way, and he's on the, he's on the ice, you know, like sliding around. It's a wonderful feeling, right? <clears throat> but, again, welcome to the NHL. Nobody's perfect. Not even the good ones at times. <clears throat> With that said, again, a third-place finish for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I did want to talk about the other guys a teeny tiny bit. I did talk about Nick Patan already. I was almost about ready to sign off, but I didn't even talk about uh, Suster. Most of you know probably more about him than some other people. He's from Czechoslovakia. I guess we call it Chechia now. I'm surprised it says Czechoslovakia. Didn't they split up, like, after World War II? Or am I crazy? Okay, well, let's call it Chechia. <clears throat> Pardon me. He is a veteran. He is turning 32 already on November 29th. Had some really nice seasons with Tampa. Was never great, but was solid. Was a gritty, solid player. Went to the Stanley Cup final in 15. Did not play on a Stanley Cup champion team. Actually, no, he did not. He was on Tampa last year and was traded to the Ducks. He was on Anaheim and then Tampa and Anaheim. So they kind of, he was on Anaheim in two different stints. But he's uh, he played 80 games with the 16-17 uh, Tampa Bay Lightning with 14 points. 77 games in 15-16 with 21. Again, the Stanley Cup final year where they lost to the freaking Blackhawks. 72 games and 13 points. So obviously more of a physical, tough Defenseman, he was undrafted, six foot seven, two seventeen, so not a ton of size to go along with the height, but certainly has the reach and the ability, and he is a tougher player, no doubt about it. And a nice veteran, and he could be that seventh defenseman that uh, people like. People like he's a he's a you know he's a good guy as well. So I think he will be the seventh defenseman for Minnesota most likely for now, and in the next couple of years we'll be seeing some of those exciting prospects come up. Uh, we'll see some changes here and there, I'm sure. Maybe we keep Matt Dumba until uh, he's 55 years old. I don't know. But maybe Matt Dumba's gone in the next couple months. It's all just a wait-and-see type of thing, and we'll be talking about it right here on Brave the Wild. With that, we'll take a quick break, and you can listen to that preview of the National Hockey League and hear who I think is going to win the Stanley Cup.
we are back here on Brave the Wild, segment number two of the season preview for 2022-2023, getting into the National Hockey League's part of it and predictions on how things will go in the Stanley Cup and all that. This year have the same big cheat sheet again called the Hockey News Yearbook 2022-2023 edition. Really happy to have that. Then I look at the top 50 like I did last year because I kind of listened back to last year's season preview before I got into this one because why the heck not? Just to kind of see how I did it. And I was like, you know, I actually kind of liked how I did that. Both the Colorado Avalanche and Edmonton Oilers have two players in the top five. Connor McDavid, number one. Austin Matthews, he's the only non, yeah, you know, he's a Toronto Maple Leaf. Kale McCarr, number three. Defenseman, of course, number three in the entire league. What do you think of that? Leon Dreisaitl, number four. And Nathan McKinnon, number five. The day Kale McCarr laced him up for the Colorado Avalanche, you just knew it was coming. You know they were going to win a Stanley Cup. And when I predicted last year the Colorado Avalanche would win the Stanley Cup in the preview, I, I actually was right. I was actually right. I predicted they'd win. I predicted them going up against the New York Islanders, which was way off. So it's funny. I predict the champion, and I predicted a team going into Game 7 against Colorado to lose. That didn't even make the postseason. In fact, they didn't even come close. Johnny Gaudreau, number six. Vasilevsky, number seven. And you can keep going for a little while. Victor Hedman makes the top ten. Barkov is still with Florida. He is number 11. Kirill the Thrill is for real. He's number 12. Kirill Kaprizov having 108 points last year. Number 12 in all of the National Hockey League. Really cool. Jonathan Huberdeau, the new Calgary Flames player. We'll talk about them a bit, I'm sure, in this preview. He's number 21. Sidney Crosby is now down to 20. Last year he was 10th. Now he's 20th. So I can't imagine... Uh, Scott, State of Hoppy of the Soda Pot, is all too happy about that. Of course, Chris Penguins and Minnesota Wild fan. Matthew Thachuk of Florida is number 16, so actually higher than Jonathan Huberdeau. But the Calgary Flames are definitely built to win now with the coach, the goalie, and the star players all kind of being veterans. They're going for it, and they, they have a chance. We'll be talking about that shortly. Minnesota Wild, just checking for the heck of it, just to make sure. Yep, Nazim Kadri, at the time that this publication was written, had not signed with the team. It was right about the next week or so we wound up with the Calgary Flames. Calgary has three players in the top 50 at the very least. Jacob Markstrom, number 25. Again, Kadri of the Flames, now now of the Flames, number 45, formerly of the Colorado Avalanche, winning the Stanley Cup, of course. Landis Cog and Jonathan Devon Taves, 47 and 48, respectively. Jack Eichel's 50th? Jack Eichel's 50th, and you trade the whole farm for the 50th best player, at least according to this. And, of course, he had a huge uh, drop in value with the way things had dropped off. You know, with, you know, obviously he missed a ton of time and didn't play very very well with Calgary, or excuse me, with Vegas last year. Mark Stone, of course, dropped off, missing most of the year last year as well, 44th. We'll see if uh, Vegas can reemerge and make the postseason. We'll see. Alex Ovechkin's all the way down to 28th now. A lot of these established studs, Dropping way the heck down. Patrick Kane all the way down to 31st. Remember when he was like in the top five every year? Remember those days? Who's that guy again? (laughs) Yeah, really. Vladimir Tarasenko at times would barely make the 50. He's 42nd, so he's in respectable territory. The Wild have one player. One player in the top 50, and that is number 12, 12, Kirill Kaprizov, pardon me. This thing has the Minnesota Wild finishing third in the Central Division. This, uh, again, hockey news. 2022-2023 2022-2023 predictions. Eastern Conference, Tampa Bay Lightning remaining in first, Toronto second. This is in the Atlantic Division. Florida third, Ottawa third, blah, 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 blah. So that's always nice. Minnesota Wild should make the postseason, of course, because they'll be in third. And then, of course, the wild cards. It always kind of 
you know, we'll have to wait and see how things turn out. They have Edmonton finishing in first place in the Pacific Division. Well, they played well against Calgary when it mattered in the second round. I mean, Calgary just could not get past the second round. Uh, Vegas started hitting a wall after they had their great cup final run. They would always lose in the Western Finals, it seemed like. And then the one year they choked against the Sharks very early when it looked like they were extremely promising. Gerald Gallant the next year was let go, unfortunately, and now he's the uh, New York Rangers head coach. New York Rangers, I had them missing the playoffs last year. Whew, boy, that was off. <laughs> I, I was off. I mean, it could have been the Rangers and the Islanders switch them up. Carolina Hurricanes, number one in the Met division, at least according to this, and I think so. I think there's a strong, strong possibility. Looks like this thing has the Predators and the LA Kings being the wildcard clubs. Uh, so that's your that's your eight going in. Ottawa Senators, they have them finishing fourth, but not making the playoffs. The uh, Columbus Blue Jackets and New York Islanders making it. I think so. I think so. I agree with the Islanders. They have the notables here. They have Washington missing. Washington missing the playoffs. Boston Bruins missing the playoffs. And actually in fifth place. Interesting. Very interesting. Montreal, where they belong right now, last place. Philadelphia, I picked to make the playoffs last year over the Penguins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, Hoppy's going to like that one. Well, it's over. <laughs> it's over. Philadelphia's done. Uh, we'll see, though. Maybe maybe John Tortorella has uh, a little bit of a Maybe there's a little bit of a sugar high. The shelf life. Philadelphia is respectable, and they get the A seed. But I doubt it. Uh, the way Chuck Fletcher and all them have basically blown that team to bits. I, I don't know. Should have kept uh, Should have kept the current the the now current Pittsburgh GM in Philadelphia. Should have kept him there. Yeah, Ron Hextall would have been would have been fine. He was doing a good job. That's when Philadelphia jumped up. And oh, Fletcher's a genius. No, he's not. He just walked in the door. I mean, the team was the team that was on the ice at the time was Ron Hextall's, and they were doing really well and were looking real promising. Not long after that, things then did drop off. Hextall's not a perfect GM or anything, and going to Pittsburgh almost was kind of like, uh, well, at least it's a it's a it's a headman job, but it's for a team that's probably not trending in the right direction. Getting a, getting a little old there. Getting a little old. Don't tell anyone I said that now. That's that's just terrible that I would say that. I, I'm surprised, though. Edmonton over Calgary in the Pacific Division? Are you sure about that? Vegas, they do have them making the playoffs again. I'm not completely surprised. Uh, stay, if they can stay healthy, you know, if Stone comes back healthy, ready to go, Jack Eichel stays healthy, other pieces. It's a strange team. The Vegas Golden Knights are a strange team. I'm going to talk about Calgary for a minute, though. I think there's a really good chance they get to the Western Final this time, and it would be about bleeping time they did. Uh, you got, again, Jonathan Huberdeau is now on the left wing. Elias Lindholm's the main center. Tyler Capoli had, wonderful, oh, had a wonderful season, but now you got to add Nazim Kadri to the, to the group as well. Unfortunately, he's not on this depth chart, but he will be there, and he's got to, you know, obviously there's really something there. Milan Lucic, one of those valuable captain kind of guys, even though he's not the captain. Uh, Uyghurs, the best defenseman on the roster. For Calgary, there's a pretty good chance they got something going. Kristen Ev has had an oft injured, unfortunately. And Jacob Markstrom was an awesome goalie, but for some reason couldn't stop the puck for anything versus the Edmonton Oilers. It was weird. Like, Calgary's got nine goals now, and, okay, Edmonton's got four, five, six. Okay, that's great. You can stop anything now, Jacob. That'd be great. You're, like, the best goalie in the league all season. And then it's like he's giving up four, five, six goals a game in the playoffs, particularly against the Edmonton Oilers. Even against Dallas, it was a little crazy. But, yeah, that was a really crazy series as well. I mean, it took Calgary basically stopping, or, you know, shooting the puck, pardon me, like 80 times versus the Dallas Stars to finally win that freaking series. 
That's what it took. Like, 80 shots. Like, really, man? <laughs> Is that for real? And that was in one game, by the way. Game 7. Dallas isn't that good. They're not that good. They're not the, they're not the Islanders' defense two years ago or three years ago when they were, like, insane and they skated to a 1-0 loss in Game 7 in Tampa, which was really sad. I mean, I, I, I felt bad for them. Um, as Tampa can adjust, they were like chameleons and such. Tampa should always be a threat, but I'm not so sure if they're going to go to any cup finals again this year. I think they're done going to the finals for a little bit. Maybe they'll, yep, they're done going to the cup finals now. Uh, I can't imagine they're going to win the fourth consecutive, uh, well, let's just say Prince of Wales Conference, or Eastern Conference, but Prince of Wales, you know, yeah, because one of the years it was kind of like a, a mix with Tampa and Montreal. <laughs> kind of an easy pick to win the cup there between Tampa and Montreal. But uh, let's go back where we need to be. Cal Calgary should definitely be a factor. Colorado is what they are. They are, you know, uh, there's a really strong possibility they go back and win it again. I don't even know why I'm going to the West first, but at the end of the day, it's kind of I'm kind of at the mercy of how things are because it's all alphabetical. But, yep, I, I don't see Tampa going back to uh, the conference final. I think New York Rangers will be back in the conference final. Very strong possibility. They might even get to the cup. Uh... At the end of the day, Calgary, obviously, or excuse me, Colorado, obviously, I, I think they're very much a cup contender. Montreal is not even close. New York Rangers, yep. Um, there's a real chance they could go to the final this year, but there's just one team I think is a little better, and the wonderful additions they've made. Let's look at New York really quick first. Chris Kreider, of course. Uh, Zimnadinjad, uh, obviously fantastic player. Zimnadinjad, uh, Capo Caco. Cabocaco's been kind of slow out of the gate. No doubt about it, as has been Lafreniere, but uh, we'll see. Jacob Truba was a nice addition years ago. Adam Fox is considered one of the best defensemen in the league. Ryan Lindgren, former Gover, has had some moments. Igor uh, uh, Shestergan has been insane. Obviously loved what he was able to do. Uh, Yaroslav Halak has been added, veteran backup goalie. Luis Domining, who'd be a third-stringer possibility. Um, obviously a wonderful uh, group of players. Ryan Reeves is on the roster as well, considered kind of like one of those fringe up and down type of guys. Obviously late in his career and such, but he'll see, he'll see minutes, he'll see ice, but at the same time he'll see the press box as well, depending on the matchups and such. So the New York Rangers should very much be in the mix. I kind of think they're gonna lose the conference final again though, because there's one more team that uh, I have a feeling is going to go to the Stanley Cup final and win, uh, possibly win the whole thing this year. Pardon me. Carolina Hurricanes, obviously, added some wonderful players. Max Pacioretty has had, obviously, a wonderful career. The major addition was Brent Burns. He's, he's getting older and all that, but a phenomenal defenseman. I mean, that's really aiming high. You have a really nice goaltender in Frederick Anderson, Sebastian Aho, Svechnikov. I actually said it correctly. Woohoo. Taravanen, obviously, phenomenal. Uh, obviously, great player. Seth Jarvis was in the draft years ago. <laughs> Veteran Jordan Stahl. Not much of a offensive option, but he uh, still brings veteran leadership and such. It's an awesome team. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes need to just stay freaking healthy and put put the pieces together and get it done. And I think they can do it. I think they can beat Tampa. I think they can beat the New York Rangers. And I think they are the cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference. Carolina Hurricanes could and should and could and should win the Eastern Conference and finally represent the Eastern Conference in the Stanley Cup Final again for the first time since 2006. But, you know, all of these years later, 
I think they're finally going to get back again. What would it be, a 17-year anniversary by the time they get back to think they won the Stanley Cup before. And it was a really nice team, and the head coach was the captain of that club. Nino Niederreiter is no longer there. They just kind of said, adios, amigo, because he wanted too much money, basically. Max Pax, you're ready. Welcome on board, buddy. And that's kind of how that went. <laughs> it's it's an awesome, awesome team. Uh, Jacob Slavin, Brent Burns, obviously. Brett Pesch, Pesci. Uh, Brady's Brady's guy, uh, just awesome, awesome team. Jake Gardner. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they win the Eastern Conference at the very least. This publication has Carolina beating Edmonton in the Stanley Cup final. Well, I think they get to the Stanley Cup final, possibly against Calgary or Colorado. I think Calgary and Colorado are your Western Conference final. Minnesota Wild. Is it, is it another one and done? It kind of looks like it. We'll be playing the St. Louis Blues again. This time the Blues. At least at least I believe this is how this would shape up. We'd be playing the Blues again. This time with the Blues with home ice advantage. Though, okay. Maybe if the Blues have home ice advantage, the Wild take, take uh, you know, it's it's been the underdog every single time in that series. Every single time. Just like when the Wild played the Colorado Avalanche, the underdog won every single time. Three playoff series. Going back to 03, you beat the Colorado Avalanche in, in Game 7, being a heavy underdog. You go on the road and win in Game 7. Great overtime, you know, historic goal. Everybody remembers, you know, Brunette <laughs> with a backhand. He scores. Minnesota has upset the Colorado Avalanche. And then there's Nita Ryder scores, you know, and all that. <laughs> it beats Colorado. When we were heavy underdogs again years later with the McKinnon crew, McKinnon-Landeskog crew before Kale McCarr got there. Yeah, before Kale McCarr got there. Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> With Kale McCarr, good luck to you, buddy. It's just it's just so complete. It's such a complete team. Um, but the underdog won every time. The Minnesota Wild won the division. Colorado Avalanche were, what, like a sixth seed in the Western Conference? And the Avalanche beat us in six games. And you could just kind of tell the whole time the Avalanche just kind of, they just kind of knew what they were doing and got the job done. It was a veteran group of players Nothing really special about them. Jose Theodore was the goalie, and he did phenomenal. It was one of his best series as a goaltender. I remember him back as Montreal Canadian years earlier and such. was a pretty good goalie, but had become a nice, solid kind of starter backup, and just a few years later, he was the backup goalie for Minnesota and was awesome, uh, but only for a season, unfortunately. And it was one of those worthless years where the Wild didn't make the playoffs it was that in-between time, back when I started podcasting Brave the Wild, and the Wild weren't a playoff team anymore, and the numbers were like, you know, like 20, like, you know, like anywhere from like 200, 200 to 300 downloads a show, like 300 was like, yes, now we're talking 150, I mean, that's, that's, uh, boy, that's going back, <laughs> back in time, and that's pretty low. Uh, not that I'm making bajillions, not that I have bajillions of listeners, but those of you that do listen, thank you so very much, and God bless every one of you. Again, this is Carolina beating Edmonton. They don't even have conference finals or anything, but obviously that would mean Edmonton would be in the conference finals with, say, Colorado or Calgary or something, or the Blues or the Wild or Bob. You, you get the idea. It's the same old thing, right? <laughs> Duh. Um, I do think Colorado will be in the West Finals. There's no reason why they shouldn't be. There's a really, really, really strong possibility Colorado just simply goes back-to-back, -back, like Tampa Bay. A really strong possibility. Uh, how could you pick against the Colorado Avalanche, really, ultimately, when you look at their team and what they've done? It's been an amazing... It's, it's an amazing group of players that are going to win multiple Stanley Cups, whether we like it or not. The, the odds of Colorado just being a one-and-done... For a championship, 
pretty slim. I mean, they could be easily be like Pittsburgh, just win two cups here, maybe, or maybe, maybe, maybe they end up being like Pittsburgh in a different way, where they win the one, and then it's what? How many years later? Like seven years later, then they win two in a row, and then they stay competitive the whole time, most of the way, as long as they stay healthy, uh, and then. It gets interesting. Um, their goaltender situation is kind of back where it was last year in his sense, where Darcy Kemper had established himself with the Arizona Coyotes, but again, still with that kind of team in front of you to be that good, that's not bad. And I have nothing against Arizona. It's just they weren't that good. <laughs> they had okay. They had some okay players. Uh, now you're looking at Gorgiev, who's the backup goalie for Shishkatin and other veterans going all the way back to uh, King Henry and such in New York. Lundqvist, of course. Um, and you have uh, Frank Kuz, Jonas Johansson. Uh, so, Jonas Johansson, pardon me. Um, I don't know. It's <laughs> The goaltending situation kind of is what it is. Brad Hunt is a member of the Colorado Avalanche now. Interesting. So, again, minor, minor additions. Lucas Sedlock. All right, he would be a fifth left winger. That's great. <laughs> Kel McCard, Devin Taves. I mean, it's just insane. Insane group of players. Sam Girard, former Ranger. Could go on forever. Uh, McKinnon, Newhook. Newhook, obviously, you know. It just, you know, when you see these young star players wind up with Colorado, and it's like, oh, great. Look, when you look at the rest of the roster they already had, and then they get these great prospects like Kel McCard. It's just like, oh, no. No, stop it, please. Please, Lord, no. No more, no more. Oh, Lafreniere. Okay, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Lafreniere, huh? Hmm. Yeah. How many points is he going to have? <laughs> no, maybe the Rangers do get to the cup final. I would not be surprised if uh, Carolina, though, ends up winning the Stanley Cup. I'm kind of leaning towards Carolina. I'm going back and forth. I mean, I think, I think any of these four teams could win the Stanley Cup. Everyone else underneath, I think it's slim to no chance of winning, unfortunately. That includes the Minnesota Wild right now. Of course, we're going into the, you know, the cap crunch. It's wonderful and such. The Minnesota Wild will be very competitive. Maybe we go on some kind of crazy run. Um, but I have a, I have a very, uh, I'm, I'm very skeptical of the possibility of the Wild bringing home in the Stanley Cup, at least right now. I think another prospect or two needs to really emerge to, you know, join the fray and such, particularly defensemen and and offensemen. I mean, luckily, Minnesota has wonderful defensemen in the system. Lambos and such, we can go on forever about that. Of course, talking about that in segment number one and beyond in the fan interaction, we'll probably talk about that there as well. We're not quite there yet, as you know. But, mm, I don't want to pick Colorado to win again. I, I in some, sometimes it's like you, you got the Stanley Cup. That doesn't mean you're not going to stay hungry, but it might mean that somebody else is going to be slightly hungrier. I think Carolina is the hungriest team right now. Uh, Calgary should be, but how can I trust Calgary to go all the way to the Stanley Cup and winning it? I kind of doubt it. I think Carolina's. I think you're going to have an epic final. Epic. And it's going to be better than my... <laughs> it's, hopefully this is a better prediction than it was last year. Because the New York Islanders were always on the cusp. They were just right there, right there, right, just like a, a an inch away from getting to the cup final and possibly winning. Very strong possibility if against Montreal. You don't think the New York Islanders would have beat the Montreal Canadiens if they could have freaking got past Tampa, maybe tie it up and have some kind of a lucky bounce, as they call it, and win in overtime versus Tampa in Game 7? 
You don't think the Islanders would have beaten the Montreal Canadiens? Canadiens, pardon me. I think they would have pretty easily, probably in five games or maybe six tops. Um, but Colorado and Carolina, Carolina, Colorado. That's you're going to be your Stanley Cup final. Carolina winning it in six or seven. It'll be long. It'll be intense. Carolina just looks like a complete team. Both of these are the top-heavy clubs, but they're complete, generally speaking. Both of them have great defensemen. Both of them have incredible top sixes. Uh, Carolina has the better goaltender at the end of the day. And Colorado won the Cup last year. Carolina is hungry and starving and all that cute stuff. They have a great coach and obviously a former great player, leader, all that good stuff. Carolina wins the Stanley Cup this year over the Colorado Avalanche. And the next year, don't be surprised if the Avalanche are right back in the final again and win it again. But we'll see. Um, maybe they'll rematch with Tampa again. I don't know. Um, I kind of think Tampa's done going to the final. Three years in a row is really impressive. It's, it's amazing. Maybe Tampa gets in one more year coming in the next, uh, you know, two to three years or something. But this year, I, I think this is the time for Carolina to get the job done. And I do think these teams are fairly similar. Again, with the top-heavy rosters, just beautiful top-heavy rosters, insane talent, uh, defensemen, forwards, centers, <laughs> coaches are good. Obviously, they know what they're doing. They've been around long enough. They know what they're doing. They've got the job done. They have cups. Oh, a cup at least. A cup. Combining the two, there's cups. <laughs> when you put that together, obviously one is a player, the other is a coach, of course. Um, I think Carolina is going to be the one, though, this year. With that said, Minnesota competitive. Minnesota, I, I think we beat the Blues in the first round because if that's the matchup, the underdog always wins. Minnesota beats the Blues and then runs into Colorado and We'll be the underdog again. Maybe we pull off some kind of insane miracle and win that again and go to the West Finals. It'd be really, 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 really cool. But I just think this this version of Colorado is just too good for the Wild to uh, to just uh, pull off the upset. That's the way I would look at it. That Colorado would win that in like six or something. Minnesota would make it very interesting with the good coaching, obviously. The, the good coach, good GM or you could say great on both of them as well, but maybe I'd be a little too homerish saying that. Um, that's how I see it, though. Minnesota will get to the second round next year, so at least we'll get a step forward. Minnesota will get a step forward, even with a inferior record of 103 points, like I predicted in the article with uh, written by Derek Felska. He had uh, the fans voice out our predictions and thoughts going into the season. Do check that out. Very, very, very exciting. It is the last hurrah with... Uh, <laughs> Derek Felsker with the Sports uh, the Sports Daily. We'll talk about more as to where he's heading in the next segment as Derek Felsker often leads things off with the uh, Brave the Wild fan interaction segment. We'll talk about where he's going to. But yeah, it'll be the last hurrah with the Sports Daily. Do check it out. Moving to a different publication and it should be freaking awesome. So Derek ain't going away. He's just moving to a different publication. At Grease and Assist, we'll live on and keep kicking butt coming out of western Wisconsin, but of course he is Minnesota-based, just happens to work in western Wisconsin as a teacher and as a defensive line coach. Pretty cool defensive line coach for the for, 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 for high school there. With that said, we will take a quick break and come back for some fan interaction talk.
And we are back here on Brave the Wild. Time to look at what you guys have to say in fan interaction. At Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild, nice and simple, is the Twitter account. Hashtag BTWMN is the hashtag to kind of get everything together, keep it all organized, and thank all of you so much. Thank you, Derek, especially for organizing these. It is just so appreciated. There's no doubt about that. Um, with that said, please do click on the links or check out the links in the show description. You could get on crypto.com and <laughs> you could uh, get that started one way or another. $25 will be put in your account. You could start trading crypto uh, cryptocurrency. And with that, of course, it's open and going all the time. Unlike the stock market, where the stock market kind of just kind of comes and goes as... The C- <laughs> it just kind of comes and goes. Obviously, it starts in the morning around 8.30 and then it's done by 3.30 in the afternoon where cryptocurrency is going all the time. Even on weekends, even on holidays, it is constantly moving. Pardon me, I'm getting distracted here. Also want to welcome at Hockey Database. Hockey Database, you know, the site that I use on every single show. Every single show. I'm, I'm religious about Hockey Database. They followed Brave the Wild. I'm truly honored, and I can't thank you guys enough. That is, oh, hockey database. I mean, I love it. I love what you guys do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give you free plugs for the rest of time. You know, I just love that site, and they've invited me on podcasts, but unfortunately, my stupid uh, schedule is what it is. So, really appreciate everything you guys do. Really appreciate that you guys care enough about Brave the Wild to want me on the show, and all that to want me on your show. Um, and of course, you can also to follow my uh, to follow the Twitter account for Brave the Wild. It is one of the best hockey sites out there to keep up with prospects and current players and players that died 60 years ago. You know, because they, you know they played in the 1910s. I mean, it's just insanely cool. Oh, it is so cool. Um, so the founder Ralph is from. Yep, he was telling me the founder Ralph is from Springfield, Massachusetts. The guy that messaged me was. Uh, I think I followed him. Yeah, Pete Alper. He's from Montreal. Pretty cool. So nice to hear from somebody from Montreal. Montreal. That is really cool. Uh, really appreciate hearing from you, Peter. Peter Alper, if I'm saying that correctly. And of course, <clears throat> Ralph, I guess, is the founder of the page from Boston, Massachusetts. Doesn't get much cooler than that. Mm, can't thank you guys enough. Thank you so much for following Brave the Wild. Again, I'm truly honored. You guys are the bomb. No doubt about it. So trying to get things organized here. Yes, here we go. Yes, it really was July 16th, the last episode. And the one before that was an absolute explosion of a show with myself and Derek Felska at Crease and Assist. Changing web pages, but keep up with him at Crease and Assist. He'll have the links out every time he releases shows. And he had me a part of Fans Speak for back-to-back years. If I remember, it might be the third year in a row, but at least the second year in a row where we ask a bunch of questions and uh, he asks questions and we respond. It's a group of us that are veteran hockey fans, podcasters, family members that know a lot of hockey from uh, Derek's world. That uh, It's really cool. Really cool. Do check it out. He's shared it. I've shared it. I've retweeted it. Do check it out. If you don't, you're, you're missing out, honestly. A lot of us are... Looking forward to this season and the future of this team. Of course, it's just it's you know it's going to be interesting to see the way Bill Guerin and Co. Uh, 
maneuver around this whole salary cap situation. But so far, I think they're doing a damn good job, honestly. It's not perfect, but nothing's perfect. Do you think I'd do better? Ha! Yeah, sure. Uh, Derek Felska says, As we get closer to the opening of another Minnesota Wild season, do you have a few questions on your mind? Ask Brave the Wild. Just tag it, hashtag BeachWMN, and ask as many as you wish. And yes, ask as many as you wish. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Derek. He's from he's from Minnesota, but works and lives in western Wisconsin as a teacher and as a defensive line coach for the high school that he works at. So, defensive line coach. Pretty cool. Unfortunately, the Gophers, as of right now, just lost to Purdue. After all this promise, all this excitement of beating Michigan State, we're going to the Rose Bowl, stand and cheer the... Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sky Uma, row the boat, go Gophers, and we lost at home to Purdue. Welcome to Minnesota, eh? Welcome to Minnesota. Mike, hey, welcome back. Moco V 65 Great to hear from you again. He says, not a question, really. More of an insight as the Wild enter the season. Their season will be decided by a few faces and the chemistry that develops. I agree. I agree with that. That's, that's true. Yep. Uh, Brian Herrera says, how much growing pains do you see with the D pairing being completely different? Will 25 and 46 play well together for long stretches in the season? Yeah, probably. Um, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be counted on for sure, and it's going to be one of the best pairings in the NHL probably in terms of just shutdown ability, overall skill, not spectacular offense, but just shutting people down. And I suppose that's what defenseman was all about until Bobby Orr became the greatest you know player ever, basically. Basically, when you put two and two together, it's between him and Gretzky. And, you know, it really is. It's a shame that Orr didn't play longer, but Lemieux missed a, uh, a billion games as well, unfortunately, with uh, one thing after another, including Hodgkins. Um, Will number five, again, that would be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be Middleton and Dumba. That's going to be a really interesting pairing. Will uh, Middleton and Dumba... No, will will Middleton help Dumba keep to his offensive game instead of being the enforcement of the pairing? Yeah, that could be very interesting. That's a very interesting prospect right there uh, going forward because, you know, like Dumba, obviously, he's been stuck at around 25 to 30 points. Like, has he hit his ceiling? Um, he had that 50-point year, looked like he was on pace to 60-something, and then he tore the pectoral in the fight with uh, Tachuk, Matthew Tachuk, that was bouncing around between Matthew and Brady. Brady to Chuck. It drove me freaking crazy that I couldn't even say those guys right in the last episode. It drove me nuts. But that's the joys of being completely, and I mean completely, solo. So, <laughs> Brady to Chuck is with Ottawa. Matthew to Chuck is with Cal... No, he's with someone else. <laughs> he's with Florida. So, that's going to be super interesting. Um, yeah, Matthew to Chuck. Yep. He's with Cal... No, not anymore. Okay, I'll stop. Uh, again, Dumba had that 50-point season. Again, looked like he was on pace for 60-something. Ever since then, again, he had 22 points in that 32-game uh, season with that stupid, stupid pectoral, of course. And he had played a few games late in the year after that. That's why it's 32. He was on pace for maybe even more. I mean, he was tearing it up, him being Dumba. He already had 12 goals, which is number two. In, in 32 games, he had 12 goals, which is the second highest of his career. He had 14 in the 50-point season the year before, did Dumba. After that, 24 points, 21 points in last year, up to 27. And he finally got past six and got up to seven in goals and 20 assists 
and he only played in 57 games, so actually he was more productive last year, so maybe, maybe he's got a 40-point season in him, but it's unfortunate, because Dumba, maybe he got more predictable with his release on his shot, he has to get more creative on the release, I don't know, like off-speed off pitching, right? No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> but it's going to be super fascinating to see how that works together. It could help, though. <clears throat> it could help Dumba be a little more of an offensive guy that way. Would a 12-13-10 line make sense? 12-13-10. Again, that would be Boldy. Boldy, Steele, and Jost, right? Boldy, Steele, and Jost? Maybe. Maybe. Um, unless you meant 23 instead. Because I think that line is pretty damn cool, too. Goudreau, it's going to be a, a debate back and forth where he fits this and that. Obviously, he was a wonderful fit in Milwaukee with the Admirals, where Dean Evison was the coach there before he became an NHL coach with Minnesota. And of course, again, he was with the you know, Milwaukee Admirals and the Nashville Predators organization <clears throat> with uh, Paul Fenton, and, and Paul Fenton's vision was to have Dean Evison as head coach of the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> yep, and then, well, Bill Guerin said, you know what, yeah, Actually, he is pretty good uh, coaching material. It's kind of funny how that all worked out. But uh, Steele, centering Boldy and Jost, I think so. I think that's a good possibility. But I also think Rossi could be really good as well. Steele, that's interesting. Depends on how you feel about Steele, I suppose. I keep thinking you maybe meant Rossi. That's my guess. But if you did mean Steele, I mean, that's not the dumbest idea either. But Rossi, that could be pretty epic, honestly. Uh, Derek Felska jumps in and says, good question. Number 62 doesn't seem to be the answer by what I've seen in the preseason thus far. Okay, I think there's something else here. Yep, oh no, he's responding. Uh, yep, Derek is responding directly to Brian Herrera. So this is where I want to make sure I'm doing this right. <clears throat> yeah, um, I can understand the frustration there about guys taking spots. But... Yep, that'd be Andre Schuster, yeah. Yep, Derek isn't all that excited about him, apparently. But where that, yeah, the defenseman. That, that's been the defenseman conversation. Again, Derek says, great question. Number 62 doesn't seem to be the answer by what I've seen in the preseason thus far. Yeah, I mean, I think at best he's a seventh defenseman, unfortunately, when it comes to defensemen. So, yeah, um, I think the pairings are probably going to be the six I was talking about. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I agree with that. Ty Sandstrom back on board. Cool. He says, I agree with this. Schuster hasn't been, hasn't shown to be better than Addison, Merrill, or Golagoski. Yeah. And I think those three will be in rotation. D, uh, for D5 through D7. Yep. Brian Herrera responds back. Yep. With find out next. Find out next in the season of the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be kind of a, you know, it's going to be a wait and see. But I, I think you're right about the D5 through 7 thing. Uh, Schuster, yeah, I mean, he's okay. He's, he's okay. He's like a seventh defenseman. I don't think they're going to cut him or anything crazy like that, but yeah. But, well, he's not going to be here for very long. Maybe one or two years, Schuster. Jay Bushy says, I know it's going to be tough to fill Fiala's 85 points this season. Who or which players do? Boldy, even though Boldy was already here, which is funny. Both the Boldy, Rossi, and Just, I think. I think it's those three are going to kind of contribute in a sense like Boldy takes the next step. Rossi is is a better player than you know what, what might have been there before and I think Jost takes a step forward as well. Um, that's what I believe. Like Rossi becomes obviously Rossi to me man, I'm telling you 
this is crazy, and I know I saw the look on <laughs> Isha's face the one time I got to be on the uh, the soda pod back after the the Rossi draft, right after Rossi was drafted. I'm telling you, in in the juniors, he looked like Steve Eiserman. He he did. Um, I don't think he's going to be at that level in the NHL necessarily, but I think he's. I don't think he's going to be as far below that as others might might believe. Like thinking, oh, he's you know he'd be lucky to be a 60 point guy. I think there's more to Rossi than. Uh, I think there's more to Rossi than just being kind of a middle six center or who might be stuck out on the wing like every damn center we ever draft. Oh, he's going to be on the wing. He's going to be on the wing. Wing, 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 wing. Yeah, he's a center, but no, he's, he's, he's on the wing. And that drives you crazy. I think Rossi will be a wonderful center for the Minnesota Wild for many years to come. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But I think he's going to be a big part of what uh, helps fill in that, that gap, that 85-point hole that's no longer with Minnesota. Boldy taking the step up. Rossi, you know, obviously becoming... A legitimate player in the NHL. And Tyson Jones, I think, takes a step forward. I, I absolutely believe that. And then other guys like DeHame DeWer are going to be praying that they can keep their spots because there's going to be some talent coming up. So it's going to be super interesting. Other guys are going to get older. Like, Zuccarillo's not going to be here forever. He's just not. That's reality. Um, and I've talked about the defensive defenseman in the system forever and ever. So let's move on to the next thread of questions here. Derek Felska asks his first one here, says, how many starts do you f- do you think Philip Gustafson will make for uh, this year for the Minnesota Wild? How many does he need to make? Let me see. How many does he need to make and Mark Andre to, to make he and Mark Andre Fleury an effective goaltending duo? Okay, gotcha. Um, boy, more than last year, that's for sure. When it comes to uh, Philip Gustafson, let me come back here real quick. I want to see the exact amount that he played last year. 18. Yeah, um, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than that. I'm thinking I'm thinking along the likes of 25 to 30-ish. I would love to see 35. I would love that. Uh, it seems like sometimes we're married to certain players, uh, certain goaltenders. You, you absolutely cannot do that with Marc-Andre Fleury. Last year, when you combine Minnesota and Chicago, he played 56, him being Mark. Andre Fleury, 56. So that would leave, because obviously it's an 82-game season. I thought I had this up, but I'm, that's Joey being Joey there. <laughs> yep. So again, it's fairly simple math, but you want it there. 26. That'd be 26 games if uh, Mark andre Fleury was to play 56. I'm hoping for something along the likes of, uh, if you could get to 35, that'd be awesome. And you keep Mark andre Fleury to 47. Uh, then maybe that's not realistic. And obviously, 30 would mean 52 for Marc-Andre Fleury. I want 35. I, I'm scared. I'm scared of Marc-Andre Fleury being in their net too much. Uh, you know, like years ago with Pittsburgh, 67, 67. He was young, though. Then Vegas, 61. In 18, he played 46. That's when they went to the final. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, and if you could get Marc-Andre Fleury to anywhere from 47 to 50, I feel a little better. So that's, again, 35 to 32 for Phillip. Gustafson. I don't want to see 56, 60 by Mark Mark Andre Fleury. Even if he's playing spectacular, you still gotta you still gotta, you know, balance this out a little bit. You can't just be like Mark Andre Fleury, Mark Andre Fleury, he's the greatest goaltender ever. Yeah, I mean he's back to being Mr. Venezia guy. You know, one point five goals against Ar- yeah, right. He's not gonna be that good, but 
2.2 or something, you know, something great. Um, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to kill him, you know, so that kind of thing. So I'm thinking around, the, yeah, you get the idea, 35 to 30-ish for Mr. Um, Gustafson. That's the way you keep it. If it reaches 50 for Mark andre Fleury, you're hoping it's right about 50. <laughs> Nothing too far beyond that because I think overusing Mark andre Fleury could mean, you know, the death of the wild. And if Gustafson stinks, then, well, well, as a certain old president might say, you might want to make some kind of trade or something at that point. Derek asked another one, and he gets a response as well. Will the Arizona Coyotes sell at every game this season, considering they're playing in a 5,000-seat arena? If not, will that finally convince the NHL to relocate the team to Quebec or Houston? Quebec or Houston. And guess who replied? NHL to Houston. At NHL to Houston, and <laughs> he hashtagged NHL to Houston. <laughs> they better sell out a 5,000-seat arena. I would hate to be a fan in something tiny like that, even though there's probably a cool vibe to it. It could provide an interesting environment because it's a small building and all that. It could provide a very interesting environment, but at the same time, it's ridiculous. It's like, it's it's a, a bleep show, as some people might say. Are you kidding me? Remember when Gary Bettman laughed at the Civic Center when we're talking about, you know, uh, expansion franchise coming to St. Paul back in the mid-90s? They just kind of laughed at the Civic Center, and then it's like, okay, we have another idea. We'll have an arena right on this spot, but it'll be a new one that's about 20000 What do you think of that, Gary? And then, yeah, let's go. That type of deal. Um, Houston is obviously a huge, 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 huge market. I personally feel bad that the, because I loved the name Houston Arrows a lot. I feel bad that they moved away, but, well, at least they're closer to Minnesota with the Iowa Wild. Again, they were our affiliate and all that. I love the name. I love anything involving airplanes. Yeah, I think it's kind of boring when your NHL team and your AHL team have the same name and a very similar color scheme and all that. I think that's boring. Um, I like the arrows, but Iowa arrows might be weird. Houston, well, maybe they could call them the arrows, and I think that would be kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. I like the name Quebec. Uh, well, I, I would love to see them in Quebec, and I actually like Arizona having a team as well, but maybe they shouldn't. It just feels like they're they're going to be. It just feels like they're going to. It's going to be kind of shoved on our throats one way or another. But NHL to Houston, I, I followed them and they followed me back. So thank you, NHL to Houston. Good luck and we'll see what happens. I, I felt bad for them when they kept getting left out of this idea and that idea. They were sad and frustrated. So I I can relate. Obviously, here in Minnesota, we were getting really frustrated for a few years. Thought we were going to get the Edmonton Oilers at one point. That quickly faded away. The uh, uh, Hartford Whalers were going to come to Minnesota, possibly. Maybe the Target Center. That faded away. I always wondered what that team would have been called. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets. There was a strong possibility of coming here. Instead, not only did we lose the Winnipeg Jets to Arizona, we wound up seeing the, uh, to be the Coyotes, we wound up seeing our St. Paul, Minnesota Moose, who played in the Civic Center, moved to Manitoba in Winnipeg, which is funny. It was like, bing, bing, my double middle finger, Minnesota. It was kind of funny. <laughs> but they were an IHL club. Now they are an AHL club, so kind of cool. IHL is kind of like in the middle somewhere. It's kind of weird. Um, <clears throat> next question. Derek Velska says, on a scale of ET, the extraterrestrial for the Atari 2600, poor, and Zelda, a link to the past for the Super Nintendo, excellent. How safe is Minnesota Wild head coaches? 
head coach Dean Everson's job. How safe is it? It kind of depends on playoff success, I think, and really the special teams. If you come in this year with crappy, horrible special teams, again, both the penalty kill, like our penalty kill sucked, and our power play sucked. And if we're hearing a lot of that again, which I don't blame him for saying it, but, I mean, well, you know, let's can, can, we, can we get better? It's a combination of personnel and coaching. This and that coaching can be that with personnel as well. Um, it's going to have to be better. So, let's say it's somewhere along the likes of... Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, I wish I had an idea with a possible game here. Something like, depending on how you feel, I guess. I don't know, like Mickey Mouse Capain. Like, kind of in the middle. Kind of fun. Like, I, I'd say he's a good coach. Like, Mickey Mouse Capade is kind of a fun game, but it's short and kind of simple. And, you know, some of the levels take, like, a minute. Like, like the pirate ship is, like, one minute. It's like, okay, that was kind of... That wasn't real interesting. Uh, and then the castle can be just annoying and stupid when the crow comes and pulls you, pulls Minnie away, and you got to look for her instead of trying to beat the game. So it would be something like that. The game has a lot of sentimental value for me because it goes back to about 1989 for me. So that's why I would put it put Dean Evison slightly above average in terms of his his job safety because you never know with Bill Guerin at times. But again, so again, it'll be above the middle per se. Something like Mickey Mouse Capade, I guess, is what I could come up with. Or if I want to go a little more positive, 1943, The Battle of Midway. Awesome. Awesome game, but too hard. So so it can't be a great game, because it's too hard. Um, but awesome sentimental value for that one. Next. <laughs> oh, was there a response? Was there? No. Next one. Yeah, Derek again. It's the Derek Felskel lightning round. He says... Is the Minnesota Wild making a poor game ops mistake by sticking with Shout as the team's goal-scoring song? Kalisha Townsell, and she followed back, which is awesome, says, I don't mind the song, but it's not a fit. It's not fit to be a hockey-type song. Would want something involving more heavy metal to fit into the Wild team theme. We aren't at a concert. Yup, so it's like, don't take it too seriously. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I don't know. I kind of like it. The Prince one was kind of fun, but I don't know. That seems more like... He was more of a Timberwolves guy than a hockey guy, though, wasn't he? And obviously the Timberwolves had their Prince jerseys and everything that everybody loved, like like Derek Rose's Prince jersey. People just worshipped that thing. I That's a little overrated, but... <clears throat> just a little bit, but... <laughs> especially Derek Rose. A little overrated, but... <laughs> once he wasn't uh, in his prime with the Bulls anymore... Not as good. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Welcome to Paradise. How, what do you think of that one? If you want to bring in rock and roll, that was not. It's not like heavy metal, but it's rock and roll. Welcome, welcome to Paradise. Or you score a goal? Is it? Is that okay? That's Green Day, of course. About '94. K fan girl says, or KFAN girl says, uh, Jody Halvey says. Personally, I love it. Derek responds with, "I only shout." Well. I only shout to ask the Minnesota Wild game ops to shut it off. Ooh, so Derek is sick of it. Yeah, it's an oldie. It's an oldie, but a goodie. <clears throat> I actually thought the song was older than it is. It's from like the mid seventies. I thought it was from like the sixties, but or even the fifties, but because it sounds older, and I don't mean that as a insult. As an insult, I love retro. I love the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and early nineties. Yes. 
when it comes to anything like music or even like, you know, just stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Not everything about every decade, but a lot. Um, 2000s is when things started to, you know, like the, the bleep turd was rolling down the hill, that kind of thing, as far as I'm concerned with a lot of things. Next, KFN Girl responds with uh, Derek saying, it seems like whatever they choose, a significant amount of people are going to hate it no matter what it is, so does it really matter? Yeah, exactly. I, I, if I were to just randomly gun to my head, just, okay, I'll just think of something real quick, like what the hell, see what happens, throw a dart in the dark. Green Day, yeah. Green Day's uh, Welcome to Paradise. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? Maybe there'll be a response there. Derek continues, says, what player do you think has been a pleasant surprise in the wild training camp and preseason play thus far. Which players disappointed the most? Tyson Jones is the biggest surprise. See, Rossi, you thought, coming in, sorry for the stupid freaking chair, I need to replace it. It's, God. Um, <clears throat> Tyson Jones, because you're hoping he's going to take that next step, but there was no real, pure, true indicator that he would do that. Rossi, you know, I mean, he was the leading scorer for the Iowa Wild. He was extremely highly touted. Uh, in the juniors, he looked like, like I said, he looked like Steve Eiserman out there. Again, it's juniors, but he looked like, you know, he looked like an absolute stud and a guy that could really make everything look easy and be freaking awesome for the Wild for many years. So, and uh, whereas Tyson Jost didn't show really anything last year, as far as I was concerned, I was actually kind of like, eh, about Tyson Jost. So Tyson Jost is the most surprising, biggest disappointment so far in the preseason is... Oh, it's by far. It's Jesper Walst no, uh, Volstead. No, no, it's not. I'm teasing. Um, gosh. Probably Hartman. You're not seeing a whole lot again. Come on, Hartman. This is time. It's, it's, it's go time, Hartman. Let's go. He's not, like I said, he's super young, like earlier. Super young and everything. But you're hoping for a little bit more production. Luckily, there's still time left because the season starts on October 13th, so we got like a ton more preseason games to come. So maybe we'll see more and more out of Hartman and I can just shut my big yap right now. There's even a game tonight, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I wouldn't mind recording it at that time, but <laughs> figured I'd get it done now because the weather's kind of funky right now. It's kind of, yeah, it's a great time to record when the weather's funky versus uh, beautiful. So um, uh, we'll see if Hartman steps up since, but at this point, that he's the guy that's kind of, come on, man, come on. I, I just want to see more. I mean, you know it's there, but will it ever translate? Will it? Oof. So, yeah, that's probably, that's a really good question, of course, and thank you. I, I always love those kind of questions, actually. Um, here we go. This is a cool one. Derek, once again, says, Prospect, Danila Yurov's KHL team. Oh, boy. <laughs> Magneto, Magnitogorsk. I probably screwed up completely seems to be giving him the Merrick Huznadinov treatment. What odds would you give that he gives in and signs a short-term extension to get more playing time? Uh, what are those? I think it's... I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I hope not, but uh, I, I, I hate that kind of stuff. It's so dumb. But, well, if he comes ready to rock and roll, a la... Kirill Kaprizov, that went too long, and that's why he was basically an instant superstar. Plug-and-play, like, superstar player. Okay, like a year and a half, but, yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, it took about a about a half a year or so for him to get to that point, but still. Um, sometimes it's better than, I guess, having him struggle 
to you know and how this franchise sometimes like uh, Hoppy would say on Soda Pod like throwing guys in the fourth line and letting them rot there like uh, what the heck was his name now I'm already forgetting the guy's name that we traded for Charlie Coyle but and of course Ryan Donato yep obviously you know, a lot of guys really liked Ryan Donato not sure how much skill he brings to an NHL team but why am I going off on that? But, uh, yeah, I mean, you don't want the young guys rotting in the bottom sticks forever. And then next thing you know, like, yeah, we just give up on him and he's on somebody else. And I don't know. <laughs> but Ryan Donato might be a little bit more of a, a trend than a mirage when it comes to a guy that goes to the bottom sticks rather than, like, not deserving to be there. Um, We'll see. We'll see, though. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if that's exactly what's going to happen. He is super-duper young. That's the positive of it, as annoying as that is. Because, yeah, I mean, he is. He just turned 18. Well, no, he's turning 19 on December 22nd, him being Danila Yurov. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one. I'm really looking forward to him. I really, really, really am looking forward to him. So we'll see. I, I don't think he's going to be coming to the NHL super soon. But hopefully it's short and it's not like, you know, he's stuck there for four years like a priest off because that was ridiculous. Freaking annoying. It was like five years. Felt like felt like 20 years. Uh, next question here. Okay, Kalisha Townsell says, yeah, but thank you, Derek, for sharing it. Kalisha says, I believe, I believe we'll be fine between the pipes if Gustafson shows to be better than Kakin and Kemper and Stalock. Well, I hope so. Once he does, then Flower won't have to play a lot. Think of a 55-40. There you go. 45 split. Okay, that's percentage. Yep. 55-45 split, which is needed for a 38-year-old in Flower to keep him fresh or will Gus become another Matt Murray? Yeah. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. You mean like being a spectacular uh, savior in the end that comes up? And he'll help us win a Stanley Cup, right? <laughs> Matt Murray, after that, not as great, but that one year he was really something. Um, yep, he's the one. He's actually the one that knocked uh, the flower away from Pittsburgh, and if you can believe it. But again, obviously, wonderful, wonderful run with Vegas Golden Knights for the flower, as they say. Kakinen, I truly believe Capo Kakinen is underrated. Kemper was super disappointing, and then eventually, you know, got a chance with the Kings in Arizona to, to finally come through. Staylock, obviously, just just limited. Just a limited guy. He's got limited skill, small body, and this and that. And every time he makes a good save, it looks like the save of the century. But he had to do a lot more to get there because the smaller body, this and that. That's where the larger goalies have become much more of a thing over the years. Uh, um, I couldn't know. I think he's underrated. We'll see what he does with San Jose this year. He's going to get a lot of lot of time between the pipes this year, cocking in with the Sharks. He's either going to start or platoon there, I believe. So it's going to be super interesting how that uh, plays out. I think it's Rayner, right? Over there. So Reiner. Um, but, yep, that's what I was thinking. Around that 47 game, 47 to 35 type of thing, that'd be, that'd be good, I think. 47 games for the Flower, or maybe, maybe... Gustafson shocks the world. We'll see. But so far, that hasn't happened. Uh, was there any response? No. But, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Thank you, Kalisha. I hope you're listening. I know she just kind of came around, but she's been a wild man for years. Derek was asking any questions. Oh, and uh, Kalisha responded as well. Good. This is good. Uh, she says, yes, I got 
I got one right now. Who gets traded first, Jost, Dumba, or Greenway? I suspect at some point this season, either these three will be traded for cap space, or Garen might make another trade, or or is preparing to have as much cap as possible to extend Kirill. Yep, and and also you got to think about extending up Boldy as well. Boldy's due for at least a bridge contract, if not something crazy. So it'll probably be more of a bridge, but still a raise. So the immediate guy that needs to be extended is Boldy, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, great question. As for somebody being traded first, Dumba because it's immediate. I'd say Dumba because it's immediate, but again, Greenway, I don't think he's long for the team either. I think there's guy they want to make room, but Dumba, it's got to be Dumba because there is so much going on in the grapevine for Minnesota at the defenseman position. And again, the two guys that are signed for a really long time, you're not going to trade ever, are Spurgeon and Brodeen. I mean, maybe anything could happen. Maybe one of them does get traded someday, but that would be quite a shocker in my opinion. Jost, I think I think he stays. He's inexpensive unless we feel like maybe he maybe he gets his price too high. <laughs> but I can't imagine it's going to get too high just yet. It'll be more of a small bridge deal for Tyson Jost going forward at this stage. Where is the stinking cap thing? Here we go. Um, yeah, because he is, yeah, unfortunately he's eligible again. Arbitration eligible, so we'll see how far that would go. <sighs> we'll see. He hasn't done enough, I don't think, to garner like some $6 million a year deal. So, and if he feels that way, his agent, him and his agent play hardball, then yeah, he's gone. Um, and that would be a bummer, but that's life, I guess, in the city, as they say. Uh, great question. Thank you, Kalisha. Next, Ryan, Brian Herrera returns and love hearing from him. Oh, no, that was the one we already read and talked about. It's like the way it's organized. Apologize. Yep, they got the concert one already. Interesting picture there. That was an ad, though. Derek says, Tyson Jost has been, you know, yep, there you go. Tyson Jost has been the hothead in the preseason so far with two goals and three helpers in two games. Is this a sign that he may have a breakout year, or is that a Charlie Coyle-style preseason tease? Oh, hands folded and praying that he is going to uh, take that next step. It's a different coaching staff. And basically, if Tyson Jost doesn't uh, produce, he's, he's, he's going to be gone one way or another. So it, it, I'm hoping and praying that, that this is the real thing. I don't think he'll be that good, obviously. But he'll be... I do hope that something is is coming. Yep. Oh, good good response by K-Fan Girl. She says, no one is as big a tease as Charlie Coyle besides Joe Baby Jesus Maurer. Yeah, remember that? Oh, 2009 season. You look like the best player in the world. And right after that, mediocre. Mediocre with a smile. Yes. <laughs> a very gentle, gentle guy was Joe Maurer. But, you know, he could be your best friend. But at the same time, you're, you know, $185 million. Uh, no. Ah, uh, no. No, <laughs> That'd be like signing Charlie Coyle for $9 million a year for five years. You'd be like, oh my god. <laughs> okay, it wouldn't be quite that bad. But Next, Mike says, okay, he already said that one. Yep, thank you, Derek, though, for that, for sure. Uh, looks like that's it. Not like a bajillion questions, but really appreciate it. Would like to hear from some of you that have been missing lately, which is unfortunate. Um, hope to hear from Tom Hayen and such. Always love hearing from Jay Bushy. Yep, nice to hear from Kalisha multiple times. Really cool. Derek, you are the blood of the show, along with Brian Herrera. Love you guys. Uh, Mike, obviously great to hear from you as well. I think he's following. 
Yes. Okay, with that said, again, it's at least there's something to look forward to here. It's not like, oh boy, the caps cap problem. It's going to be a disaster. We're going to be like in the bottom of the NHL for five years. No chance. This is definitely a playoff team. Uh, a cup contender, probably not. But you just never know with young guys. Maybe they'll explode. Maybe there really is something magical going to happen. And it does look like Ryan Hartman is for real. At least according to most people. Most indicators would tell you that Ryan Hartman is for real. So that's definitely something to smile about and feel good going forward. Goaltending situation is what it is. But Jesper Volstedt is somebody to very much look forward to going forward in the next year or year and a half, two years. You got something very special there because it's there. The talent is there. It is plain as day. Uh, and, well, he already won a preseason game, 5-2, to two, so he had nothing to do with the 5 necessarily, but shutting down the other team enough and getting the job done, making the saves he had to to win the game. Awesome. Before we wrap things up, let's get to some contact details. We wouldn't mind hearing from some of you calling into the show. It would be pretty cool. All you got to do is pick up your smartphone, uh, smart device, smartphone, and open any free voice recording app you might have because, you know, they're not going to charge you for that. Open it up, pretend to, uh, well, not pretend, yeah, pretend it's a phone call, basically. You press record. Pretend it's like a phone call. You can even use uh, an, an audio uh, software on your laptop or desktop, or whatever type of computer you have, whatever you want to do. Basically, treat it like a phone call or a conversation, whatever, two to five minutes. Heck, if, it's, if you really have a lot to say, you can go beyond that. No one's going to get mad at you. And then you send it to Paladino Live at yahoo.com, Paladino Live at yahoo.com. It is in the show description for any type of purpose you may have, copy and paste or whatever, just click link or whatever. And uh, there you go. That's where you send it to. And then I convert it into an MP3 file thanks to Zumzar with a Z.com. I'll give them a free plug because they give me a free service for this show because the file's nice and small usually. Uh, if you need to convert very large files, uh, you can sign up for a subscription with them. Otherwise, you can convert files for free if they're small. Zumzar with a Z. Awesome, awesome app and website for, well, any computer that's out there. Would love to hear from you. Very much so. Please do write a positive rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify just does star ratings, and I believe Audible also does um, reviews as well. Please write a positive review for Brave the Wild. would really help this show. It's been a while since the last one, and I'm kind of sad. So if you can help out, I'd greatly appreciate it. It makes the show more attractive to potential listeners. With that said, wishing all of you a nice couple of weeks here, because next time we get on the air, we'll be talking about regular season hockey for the Minnesota Wild. Hopefully the positivity continues and things head in a more positive direction as we move forward. Until then, take care and go wild.